This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. It is indeed NBA Sound System Live. We are back and up and running just like the 2021-2022 NBA season. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty across the NBA Global Networks. Scott, I had this big like planned uh, intro that I was going to go into, and then I was thrown off. This is the perils of working from home. I was thrown off uh, because my wife had texted me to, to change the laundry over, like make sure that I put the wet clothes <laughs> in the dryer, and I read that text as the intro music was playing and then lost my train of thought. So this is what you get for working from home, but here we are. Maybe sound system, Carlin Gay, Scott Rafferty. What a way to start the show. What a way. What a way to start the first episode, the first episode of the season, too. Um, you wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people around the uh, the country and, and the world, for that matter, could relate to now having to work from home. You get, uh, you know, part-time you know, health duties and also full-time work duties. That's, uh, that's just life nowadays. Uh, on this episode, we are definitely going to talk about the NBA, not laundry. Uh, John Morant is off to a hot start, Scott, and we're going to get into him and, uh, and the Grizzly start as well. Uh, he, he had a huge prediction of him potentially making the All-Star team this season. We'll get into that a little bit later. But we do have to start off the top with uh, some contenders and pretenders. There's a bunch of teams that started the season or started the the week uh, undefeated. Some fell last night. If you're listening to this uh, on the recording, we're, we're, we're doing this live across the MA Global Networks on Tuesday. You can tune in um, at 1 Eastern 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, but right now, there are a couple teams in the NBA still undefeated. The Warriors, the Jazz, uh, and the Bulls. Those three teams still undefeated as we speak right now. Um, we'll start with the Bulls. Uh, they have gotten off to a start that I think have, has surprised a lot of people. Uh, you know, there, there was always these questions. They, they did add a lot. And I think from last year, so the start of the season last year, uh, only I believe Patrick Williams and Cody White are the only two remaining Bulls from that from that roster that started the training camp a year ago, if I'm not mistaken. And it's a huge turnover. They made the big trade for Vucevic. Obviously, a lot of parts left with him uh, coming in, and then they go and get Demar Derozan uh, to add to Zach Levine. Um, well, Zach Levine was was a part of that training camp roster as well. So it wasn't it wasn't just uh, Cody White and and uh, and Patrick Williams. Um, but then they get Caruso. They sign him as a free agent. So they've revamped their team, and they look better than I think people thought they would this early in the season at 4-0. They look way better than I think anyone could have expected. Um, I, I don't know if I can get there saying they're a contender yet. I, I don't know if I'd go that far. But look, they're 4-0 for the first time since, what, like the 90s? Um, and the Bulls had a pretty good team back then, if I remember correctly. But they've only played the Pistons twice, who are without their number one pick, Cade Cunningham. So we know that team is, I mean, that team could be the worst team in the league, even with Cade Cunningham. So those those are kind of two layups um, for them right there. They played the Pelicans, who started the season 0-3 and just picked up their first win last night against the Timberwolves. And they beat a Raptors team that uh, can't score on the half court. Um, (laughs) So not to take away from their 4-0 start, but that's why I can't quite say, you know, they are an absolute contender right now. But look... This team, I, I think everyone expected them to be very good offensively this season. Their no defense doubt. is actually ahead of their offense right now, um, which mm-hmm. is surprising. And I don't know, 
if this is going to be a, a top 10 defense all season long. Uh, but Lonzo Ball has been an absolute menace on that end of the court. Alex Caruso, who, I mean, probably wasn't talked about enough as like a, an all-defensive caliber of player last season. I think he's second in the league in steals per game right now, despite playing less than 30 minutes per game. Um, he's wreaking havoc on that end of the court. And they just they can roll out some fun lineups. Like we know what their starting five is going to look like. You have that firepower in Demar Derozan, Zach Levine in the in the backcourt. Um, Lonzo Ball has has developed into a good spot up three point shooter. And Vucevic is a two time All Star, one of the best back to the basket scorers, and one of the best shooters at the center position. Um, but they have some fun pieces off their bench that they can mix and match uh, more defensive heavy lineups and things like that. So as I said, I I can't quite get to contender yet until we see them play um, one of the better teams in the league. But the, I mean they're certainly trending in the right direction, and I think they've kind of hit the ground running and been better than um suddenly i and many others expected them to yeah their their, their chemistry um it, it mm. looks a lot better than i think a lot of people because when they when they signed the ronda rosen and they already had zach levine it was like uh, are they gonna have enough spacing to get the job done and are you know are, are they going to be able to um you know create some lanes for demar de rosen and you know to start the season and, and my thought was well you know Vucevic is a, is a pretty good three-point shooter. Like, I, I think he gets, um, you know, forgotten about because he spent all that time in Orlando. But when you look at him as as a guy that, uh, you know, not only, as you said, he's a, he's a really good back-to-basket player, but he's pretty efficient in the in the amount of touches that he gets. Like, he, he, mm-hmm. he goes to work, and he has been pretty efficient, uh, especially in Orlando. That's what made him special. That's what turned him into an all-star all those many years. And also, you got to remember when he was in Orlando, he was playing with a bunch of guys that could chuck. Like, I mean, you, you look at uh, Evan Fournier, um, you know, uh, Terrence Ross. Those are guys that like to get their own look. And uh, you know, Vucevic had to figure it out in limited possessions, and he was able to do that. So I didn't think he would have uh, you know much of a downfall here. Now he is taking four less shots per game. I, I think that contributes to the fact that he's only scoring 14 points in the first four games, and he is struggling from the field, especially from three point range. He's shooting 21 percent as we speak right now. But this is a guy that's a 35 percent, you know career three-point shooter so once he gets back to that number their offense could be even better than what it is right now it's funny because i feel like in these situations that you know are top heavy teams i feel like the bag the big man always gets squeezed right like we saw it mm-hmm. not to compare this bulls team to the cavaliers or anything like that but we saw it with you know kevin love in cleveland when right. he joined forces with lebron and Kyrie, and we also saw it with chris bosh when he joined those those heatles teams like it's usually the big man who gets squeezed a little bit um, so it will be interesting to see how he adjusts because he's playing next to two, you know, quite bold, dominant perimeter players in Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, both of whom, you know, can pass the ball. Um, Vucevic is also, I feel like, an underrated passer. Like the, the Magic run a ton of offense through him, not just, you know, feeding them the ball to kind of post up and look for his, but getting the ball at the elbows, cutting, things like that. Um, so it will be interesting. I, I think he's probably got like naturally he's probably going to have to sacrifice the most out of those three um but like you said you know the skill sets there like he he can shoot he can pass um he can rebound there's a bunch of different things that he can do offensively that he should be able to i i I think they'll make it work yeah and you bring up bosh like the reason why bosh and love were able to play alongside two ball uh, not do- I won't say dominant, but ball, uh, you know, eaters like like you know, I mean, playmakers, uh, LeBron and 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 Wade, guys who's going to have the ball in a ton in their hands, Kyrie and LeBron, of course, for for Kevin Love because they were able to shoot the three, and and Vucevic is going to be able to shoot the three. Like Bosch wasn't a prolific three point shooter, I'll say, um, you know, in his career, but he had the ability to knock it down. You did have to respect him out there. Um, he was ahead of his while- time too. 
he was ahead of his time. And while he was, he struggled from three point range, maybe in the regular season where he really did show up in those two championship seasons. Uh, he shot 54% from three in the first championship year in Miami and 41% from three in the second championship year in Miami. You know, that, that is the indication that, you know, he, he when when the push came to shove, he was going to be able to space the floor. And I think Vucevic will have this similar role um, when, you know, the game breaks down, they're playing really good defenses and they, they need a little bit more space. He can lift. Um, he has, he's a pick and roll threat, but he's also a pick and pop threat. And, and I think that's going to be the difference of him making it work in, in Chicago. But like I said, their offense could get better than what it is. Uh, you know, once mm-hmm. Vucevic finds a touch, um, you know, from range. One thing I'll mention before we move off the bulls, Lonzo ball is playing very, very well. Like he is the yeah. perfect point guard for this team. Uh, mature. He's not going to be getting the highlights like his brother Lomelo does, uh, but he's just playing really well. It's like they fall off a clip when he's on the bench. Like they're getting outscored by uh, almost six points per 100 possessions when he's on the bench. When he's in the game, they're outscoring teams by 17.1 points per 100 possessions. Like and and they're Jeez. only allowing 95 points per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. So um, not only could he, he's the head of the snake offensively, but defensively, you know, we know that he's a, he could be a really good defender. And you know, the Bulls issue I think coming into the season was is Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan going to be two guys that are just going to be turnstiles? But if you have someone at the point of attack like Lonzo Ball, it changes things a little bit because you know he, he puts pressure, gets his you know gets his hands in the, in the passing lanes. It just changes a little bit of the momentum and the intensity on that end of the floor. He's just he he fills in a lot of gaps, you know. Like I, I feel like since he's come into the NBA, a lot of attention has been made of of stuff that he can't do. Like he's not a good finisher around the basket. He's not someone who's going to create his offense that much for himself. Um, but he's developed into a a very good, reliable spot up three point shooter. Um, he's an excellent passer, and like you said, he's just a very active and disruptive defender. Um, and in the right situation, like it, he's he's one of those players that I feel like all, all his skills are only going to get more valuable when he's in the right situation. Um, and this is a perfect situation for him in Chicago. And like you said, the the defense in particular, they're going to need him on the end of the court because it's really going to be like him, Patrick Williams, Alex Caruso. They're the ones who are going to have to kind of do the heavy lifting on that end because they're playing, I mean, next to guys who are known for their defense. And DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine improved a little bit defensively last season. Vucevic, I think um is is capable of playing like a drop coverage might not be as bad um sometimes as i feel like people make him out to be but he's still not you know some like lockdown elite rim protector defender kind of thing um so that's why you know it, it is encouraging for them right now that their defense is ahead of their offense i think that will flip at some point but if this team is like even average defensively like i i think they're probably uh they might be able to work their way like above the play in for example um and be a legit like playoff team yeah, I don't think they're contenders either, but as you said, they're, they're definitely going to be a, uh, a playoff team, in my opinion. Um, circle this on your calendar for, for the Bulls' defense and to keep an eye on. November 1st, they begin a stretch where they play the Celtics, the Sixers on a home-and-home uh, home home series, back-to-back games, the Nets, and then the Mavericks. Uh, so those Ooh. five games coming up after – and then the Warriors to top that off. Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Blazers – uh, nuggets so they have a stretch here at Ooh. the beginning of november where you're going to find out if they could actually defend all right um the team that could really defend and showed us last year that they can defend the golden state warriors three and oh so far um it, w- your takeaways from the early start of the season for uh for g state seems really fun um yeah. I, I don't think that's all that surprising but you know Steph, I, I think LeBron has been kind of the the poster child, you know, for 
guys who just like father time just hasn't defeated them yet like they continue to do things that blow our mind going into mid to late 30s and Steph's kind of doing the same thing like he looks as good as ever um in his mm -hmm. early 30s now as he was in his MVP years we know he finished third in MVP voting last season but right. he's hit the ground running this season he's been awesome like you said the Warriors they ranked fifth defensively last season I think a lot of people kind of took that for granted or, or, or overlooked it like this was an elite defensive team last season and a lot of the problems were on offense and you know that they have Jordan Poole um, has has started out well this season he's kind of looking like he can kind of build that momentum from preseason and this team's got some depth um, which is something they really missed and they're not even healthy yet like James Wiseman right. hasn't played we haven't seen Jonathan Kaminga um, the wild card is obviously Clay Thompson who's missed two straight seasons uh, I think three like he's such a good shooter he's the second greatest shooter of all time i think he's going to be fine in that regard not to say he's going to come back and immediately be the player he was offensively that he was before but i think you know he is such a good shooter they'll be okay defense is where i have more concerns because it's easy to forget he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the nba before he what tore his achilles and acl two significant leg injuries um but yeah i mean this team is good they have depth they have one of the best players in the league in steph curry they play well off of each other. The ball moves well. They have smart players. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I was very curious. I, I didn't really know quite what to make of this team going into the season, and it seems like nobody did, to be fair. Like, some projections had them as a as a contender. Some had them falling out of the playoff picture completely. Um, but I think the way that this team is trending right now, what we've seen, knowing what they're going to get back and everything, it, it's hard to say this team is not a contender. Yeah, I, I do think that they, they are a contender at, if they're healthy. Um, you know, the way, as you mentioned, they, they have depth now that they did not have a year ago, and we haven't even seen them healthy yet. Um, that's huge. If Clay Thompson comes back and he's Clay Thompson, um, look out. This, this team could really go on a run and, and make some noise uh, in the postseason. Uh, you mentioned James Wiseman. I think he's the one piece that if he isn't, I mean, I know the ceiling's so high for him, but even if he's, you know, uh, you know, scratching the surface of what people are projecting he could be, just to give him that rim protection. Um, you know, I, I, there, there's not a guy outside of Draymond, because uh, Kevin Looney, you know, Kevon Looney, sorry, is, is is a guy that you know, he's a solid starting center in the NBA, but he, he doesn't help you. He doesn't raise your floor. You know, I, I think James Wiseman will take them to the next level, and Kevon Looney could go off, come off the bench and be a solid second unit center. Um, and, but he doesn't. He's not a guy that you're afraid of when you attack the basket. I think James Wiseman could be that guy, and, and he might even be a better rebounder uh, than Kevon Looney right out the gate because Kevon Looney isn't uh, you know a, a world beater when it comes to to, to rebounding basketball. So. Um, I, I, you know, if they can get healthy, if Clay's back, uh, I, I, I'm high on this uh, on this Warrior squad. And by the way, just so I remind everybody, I, I did pick Steph Curry to win MVP this season, so I, my uh, <laughs> my prediction is looking pretty good. They have the the uh, anti bull schedule coming up, Scott. So they could they could they might stay undefeated for a little while. They have the Thunder uh, on Tuesday night again. We're, we're we're live on Tuesday if you're listening to the uh, podcast version of this. So they have the Thunder Tuesday night, then the Grizzlies, which is a big one on Thursday, then the Thunder again. Uh, and then the Hornets, Pelicans, and Rockets. It, it, it's not. It's not a tough, tough lineup uh, or tough schedule to start. They're, the tough, the tough part of their schedule, the meat of their schedule, already happened, and they're three and zero after that. The Lakers and Clippers mm -hmm. on the back to back to start the year. That looked to be on paper as a tough, you know, out for them, and they were able to get out of there unscathed. And a Kings team that's, I think, going to be kind of competitive this season. Mm -hmm. um, to your point with Wiseman, look, I, I think, you know, when we think of that pick, we're always going to think about what if, um, had they selected LaMelo Ball and what he'd look like on that team. But it's fun to think about, like, they, they really, 
I, unless I'm forgetting someone immediately, like they haven't had a center in a long time, or at least in this era, who kind of has the athleticism, the speed that James Wiseman does. Like you said, the kind of the pop vertically, the rim protection ability, um, and the, the the idea of surrounding, you know, Steph Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, two guys who just have the best gravity in the league, um, and Draymond Green, who is uh, still an All NBA Defensive Player of the Year caliber of player. Um, and while everyone, you know, likes to say that he's a zero on offense. He's not the scorer that he once was. He's not the shooter that he once was, um, but he's still one of the best passes. And that goes a long way, especially in the system because of the amount of tension that Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, um, you know, Ghana. Um, so it, 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 I, I, I don't know what to really expect from him this season because last season was so rough um, and they really did start to take off when he wasn't on the court and they could kind of play the Warriors style that we, we've known before. Um, but even like him in his second unit, you know, with, with Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga, like this team could be fun. Um, that second unit just getting up and down the court playing loose um, so you know we'll see if he can start and what he brings in that regard but even second unit that could be great for them no question uh, you, you know who this uh, you know who Wiseman kind of reminds me of not mm. in the style of play not in the style of play because I think he's more athletic than this guy but in the ability that the team is almost championship ready and they're waiting for this guy to step in at the center position and really take them over the top he reminds me of Andrew Bynum uh, on those Laker teams when like Bynum mm. was you saw him you saw the talent but he was never healthy and then the two years that he was healthy they were able to take off and and and, and you know go to the next level but you know when he wasn't healthy they you know stuck starting Chris Mim you know what, what do you what are you, what are you gonna yeah. do there you know you, you were still had a really good team like a really good championship team but if you're stuck starting Chris Mim um, not not much there for you I was gonna. I thought you were gonna say Darko Milicic, and that was gonna go in a completely different direction. So that's, so, that's uh, the you know Wiseman <laughs> situation. Um, we'll keep it moving here and, and talk uh, the last undefeated team out of the bunch, and that is the Utah Jazz. The Jazz at two and zero. You know they they they've come out the gate here uh, early in the season, Scott. And when you're looking at this Utah Jazz team, um, obviously they didn't uh, have a tough schedule ahead of them so far. They beat the Thunder soundly on opening night for them in Utah, and then went on the road and and got past the Sacramento Kings. You mentioned the Kings are a, a competitive team. It's not like the Kings are the Kings of uh, a year ago. I think they are going to uh, you know uh, cause some problems and maybe have something to say about the play-in tournament. Uh, but the Jazz still should get that job done and they did they're 2-0 and uh and uh you know a team from a year ago that you know probably thinks that they could have been in the finals last year had they been healthy uh throughout so um what, what do you see out of the jazz coming up here and they, they have a big one against the denver nuggets yeah i mean they're a contender um tonight's game against the nuggets this is their first real test um but we know this team is elite defensively built around rudy gobert um, Donovan Mitchell is still young. He should continue to improve. Um, I, I think it's safe to say like he, he has superstar potential. Um, they have some good depth. I think they're better prepared to kind of go small if needed this season with like, you know, Pascal and, um, and Rudy Gay. That's something they didn't have last season. But also health is key for them. You know, Mike Conley got injured a couple in that playoff run two seasons ago. Donovan Mitchell got hurt last season. Um, if they can stay healthy, it's also funny because I feel like, you know, a lot of the conversation about them has, you know, they, they have come up short in the playoffs and kind of failed to meet those expectations and not to make excuses for them. But it does feel like, especially the last like three postseason runs, they've had the worst or three of the past four postseason runs. They've had like the worst matchup possible for them. You know what I mean? Like a Clippers team going super small 
um, the Rockets, the way that they played, which is not a good matchup for them. So I do wonder, you know, if they can stay healthy and they get like the right path through the Western Conference. Um, I, again, I, I do think this team is a contender. Um, not to say that they are, I would consider them like the team to beat in the West or even the favorites come out, um, which they might actually be considering how in flux um, the West is and what the Lakers look like. But they still have a lot of questions to answer, but I do think they're better prepared to kind of answer those questions than they were last season. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, we'll, we'll keep our eye on these three teams, the three undefeated teams. Again, uh, I'm with you. I don't know if uh, you know the the Bulls are the contenders. Uh, the Jazz had the great year from a year ago, 2-0. and We're still interested to see how they fit everything together. Can they stay healthy is obviously the, the, good, the big point there. And the Warriors, I do believe they're contenders if they can get back healthy. And Clay is uh, Clay when he does come back. Um, we got to talk John Morant. We got to talk John Morant and his great start. He's one of the most exciting players uh, in the league, John Morant. Uh, this is a big year for him. This is the year when most players kind of take that leap, right? Like you get past the rookie year, sophomore season, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it is what it is. But year three is when you really find out what a player could be. And, and this is where we are with John Morant. Um, I think we saw a glimpse of that in the playoffs. Like he, he was he was sort of. Uh, Entering that mold uh, of being a guy that could really take over and maybe be, you know, someone that could lead the franchise to a championship one day. Three games into the season, I know the numbers are eye popping, and all fantasy players around the world are saying, "Yes, John Morant continue to score thirty five points a game. We'll, we'll take it, uh, especially on on almost sixty percent from the field and forty five from three. Um, but it's going to come back down to earth at some point. But it, it, it's really the way that he's doing it." There's like a nastiness to his game where it doesn't matter who's in front of him, he's ready to take over and and, and show that he does belong at this level and can be an all star one day. Here's the thing, like like he had a really good rookie season, obviously one rookie of the year that year. Um, last year he got off to a good start, and then he suffered that high ankle sprain, and it feel like that kind of derailed his season because he got off to a good start last season too. Um, and then, like you said, it was kind of. The end of that season, that play-in tournament, those two wins to make the playoffs, and even though they lost in the first round against the Jazz, like he he was absolutely spectacular. And the thing for me through those two seasons is that he just he proved to be big time. Like anytime the Grizzlies needed him to in those play-in games, in that game one against the Jazz, like he stepped up to the plate um, and really delivered. And that that just showed he kind of has the moxie that needed to be like a, a superstar. Do you know what I mean? And like you said. It feels like everything is kind of falling into place for him right now. Like he's an absolute elite athlete. Um, right. Paul George, after their matchup, compared him to kind of Derrick Rose, the way that he's able to explode, the speed that he plays with. Um, but he, he just likes like he's so in control of everything. He's also a very good passer. No one can stay in front of him. So when he gets to the basket, he can finish so easily for himself. If not, he's going to kick it out to a shooter or someone down in the dunker spot. Um, and the big thing missing from his game was the jump shot, of course, which, right. which we knew kind of going into the NBA. And still early returns, but like he he looks like he's much more comfortable pulling up from mid range and three point range. Um, and when you combine that with everything else, if that's going to continue, I mean he, he's he's I know we're, we're week one. It's too early to fire up the MVP conversation, but he, he's number one right now, right? Yeah, I think I, I think I would I would put him up there. Uh, well, him and Steph. Steph Steph is uh you know Steph is one in one, and then I'd put John Morant too. Um, 
but the Derrick Rose comparison is a good one, uh, I think, from Paul George because it was year three when Derrick Rose finally sort of arrived and then he wins that MVP. But what was interesting, uh, it wasn't just that Derrick Rose arrived in that year three, is that the team around him was ready. Like the team around him, like yes, you know, Tibbs comes in, they, they instill the defensive uh, philosophies, um, but he had he had he had a good team around him, right? Like they, there were pieces that um, weren't there in his first two years that finally were healthy and were arrived and, and ready to go um, in in year three in, in time for him to take off. And I think it's the same scenario with, with John Morant. You know, like uh, the Jaron Jackson Jr. When they first got together, uh, it was you know this could be you know the one the cornerstones for for mm-hmm. Memphis for years to come. He's finally healthy. Jaron Jackson Jr. is finally playing on the floor, uh, and he has you know his his uh, you know his Batman in, in John Morant to kind of cover for him because Jaron Jackson when he was selected and when he had his first you know rookie year, it was you know people were saying he he'd be the guy uh, you know in Memphis, uh, he, but I don't think he has the guy skills um, the, the way that Morant has the way you uh, you described the it factor. Um, but he's a perfect Robin. He's a he's a perfect Robin. Mm-hmm. Now that he's finally healthy, he's there. Desmond Bain in his second year, you know, he's the perfect three and D sort of guy um, that could do all the junk work. Stephen Adams is like the perfect enforcer. Like you said, John Morant, no one can stay in front of him. Stephen Adams sets a screen, no one's staying in front of him. Yeah, you know, like that, that, it's it's clearing him right out of the way. Uh, you know, once they get Dylan Brooks back, he's he's sort of that. There and I'm going to talk about this in our in our notebook segment. There are a couple guys in the NBA that uh, you know can fire their own team up, and and Dylan Brooks is one of those guys. He hits a three, and it's almost like he he just hit not just three points, but nine points. Just the way he has an attitude to him um, that I think the rest of the team feeds off of. And you know, with, with Ja playing the way he's playing, once this team gets healthy, um, I think they're they're ready to take that next step in the West. Where last year, cool, they made the play the play in tournament and were able to sneak into the playoffs. They got bounced in the first round. This year, it's going to be, hey, we, we don't want to play in that playing tournament. We want to get to at least at least sixth and then see what we can do in that first round. Yeah, it's it's continued development um, for Morant, obviously, but also the Grizzlies. And mm-hmm. by the way, they have the number one ranked offense in the league right now by like a mile. And again, we're only three games into the season. Um, this team is, is explosive, led by John Morant. Um, and th- th- there's an article on The Ringer written by Dan Devine about John Morant. Um, that I'd recommend and kind of putting that all together um, and, and just like how ridiculous he's been. Um, it, it really has been so exciting to watch him through these first three games and hopefully it doesn't slow down because um, at this rate, I mean, all-star, all-NBA, MVP conversation, like that's what he's trending towards this season right now. No question about it. He does need to cut down on some of those turnovers. I'm, uh, I am going to put that on him a little bit. Uh, but the country can actually watch the Warriors play. Um, they'll play the Portland Trailblazers on ESPN on Wednesday night at 10. Um, a lot of you East Coast folks are going to want to stay up and watch that battle between Jaw and uh, Damian Lillard. There's always like a little small underlining beef between those two teams. And I know Dylan Brooks isn't playing in this game, but he always seems to get under the skin of CJ McCollum. And, uh, he he and knows Dave everyone. <laughs> he does. He does. He does. I lo- oh, man, I love Dylan Brooks. He, he's too. been doing that. Do he's too. been doing that since high school. I've, I've, I've had the privilege of watching him. Uh, it, I think the first time I saw him was as a sophomore in high school, and he was mm-hmm. that type of player then, still is now. Uh, you know, you got to stay with what brings you to the dance. Uh, all right, Scott, before we wrap up here, let's let's go through some of our uh, notes. I know you take notes while you watch games. I do, too. Some of the mm-hmm. notes that you've taken from the first week of the season, what would be the first thing that pops out of your uh, your notebook? Ooh, um, there's quite a few. Uh, Tyler Hero, those six men of the year predictions are looking pretty good right now. Um, Nikola Jokic is still absolutely incredible and was super ooh, ooh. slept on. 
Sorry, go well, ahead. Hold on. Let, let's 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 stick with that the hero thought because oh, okay. I had the same thing written down as well. Uh, as you know, I was in Miami for their home opener. I was able to see uh, the the crowd uh, and and be a part. It was weird, first of all, going to a basketball game. I hadn't been mm-hmm. to basketball games since uh, pre actually All Star Weekend uh, in Chicago. It was the last time I was in an arena f- at that jam packed, um, and it was kind of weird doing it. But anyway, that's not that's that's uh, a me problem, not for you guys to, to know. <laughs> uh, but I had Tyler Hero written down. And it was different because you know Hero is has like this cult like following as we all know. But especially mm-hmm. when he checks into the game in Miami, there is just this energy that he comes with. Um, that you know, not only is he a, a good player and you know he's playing well, and as you said, he he is in the running for sixth man of the year. But it just changes the attitude of that Heat team. Um, you know, they, they started. You know, granted, they started off fast against the the Bucks and never looked back and, and blew them out in that game. But he has this intangible when he checks into a game, especially at home, that the crowd sort of like waits for that moment and pops when he does arrive, and that could give you that extra energy that you may, you may not have on a, on a you know night. You know, you know, three hundred and something in the NBA. You know, you're playing game sixty at home. Um, you just don't have it that night. Hero checks into the game, and, and the crowd. You feed off that energy. He, he's one of those, uh, you know, fan favorites that I think uh, we don't pay enough attention to uh, in the NBA in terms of that intangible that they add. Mm-hmm. Caruso's another one. You know, for the Bulls, like yeah. it's almost like Caruso. He, he's a great player, good defender, but he, when he checks into the game, there's just a little bit extra. You know that that the crowd gets a little excited every time he does. Uh, you know the average play. Agreed. Um, Ish Smith, by the way, also working his way into six man yeah. of the year conversation yeah. already. He's been great, and for the he's Hornets. another one too. You know, hometown yeah, he kid. Is. Yep. Um, plays pedal to the metal, super fast. Um, never slows down. Huge energy for the Hornets off of their bench. Um, who? That's another observation. Like this team is just. I I was I feel like lower on the Hornets going into this season than a lot of other people. Um, especially Lamelo Ball. Like you said, I feel like this. Everyone hypes up players after a good rookie season, and usually in their second season, they kind of stagnate. Um, we just talked about it with John Morant. Tyler Hero is another good example of that. I wasn't super high on this team, but, I mean, they've looked fantastic so far. Um, Lamella Balls look great. They have depth. They're young. They have a good balance of veterans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this team is is surpassing my expectations by uh, a large margin. And obviously, you know, Miles Bridges <laughs> he has been absolutely incredible. Um, and after not Contract being able to, come to, yeah, exactly. After not getting that extension from the Hornets, uh, that 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 next contract might look pretty pricey at this point. Yeah, yesterday's price is not today's price in terms of uh, <laughs> Miles Bridges. Um, the one thing I noticed about the Hornets, they like each other. Like they're they're yeah, that's a good point. That's something simple thing, but they, they definitely have like a team chemistry that not every team in the NBA has. Um, you, you mentioned Jokic; he's still a great player. I I I'd had that jot down too. Uh, one thing that's you know way off off the uh, kilter that stood out to me. Um, we we talked about the Kings earlier. Harrison Barnes is balling, man! Like oh, yeah. like he's going crazy right now. And I know he's in Sacramento, um, and obviously his shooting percentages will come down at some point. But he had a really good year last year under the radar, and he seems like he's following that up this year. Scott, I think he's going to be the piece uh, that could shift the NBA at the trade deadline. Um, I don't think there's going to be a lot of outside of Ben Simmons. I don't think there's going to be a lot of stars up for grabs. I think Harrison Barnes comes, uh, you know, to the trade deadline if the Kings aren't where they want to be and they want to improve their team. He, he's probably the one guy that could really move the needle uh, and attract, uh, you know, someone um, to to pull the trigger on. Um, I, I think he's that guy. If he, if he can, you know, 
maybe maybe he ends up in Philly. You know, I think yeah. that would be a decent return if he's playing at this level. Um, obviously, he's not Ben Simmons. I'm not saying he is, and he's not a you know, like for like return, but he's not a bad you know consolation prize if you're not if you're not going to have Simmons available. He's, he's a guy that could stretch the floor and create some space for Embiid, put it on the deck a little bit. If he's playing like this, the way he's playing in Sacramento, he he might be valuable in Philadelphia. There might be too much. There might be too much overlap with Tobias Harris in Philly specifically. But like you said, I I think there's a number of teams that could use his skill set. And if I remember correctly, like he was, his name was being talked a lot about going into last season's trade deadline, and it was kind of a Mm -hmm. surprise that he wasn't moved. If I remember correctly, Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's quietly continued to kind of develop and improve his game. Um, It's also interesting. He's he's on the books for 20 million this season. Um, Next season, last season, his contract's only 18 million. I say only. Um, but his contract has been declining, which makes, I think, a lot more um, enticing for a, a team to kind of take that on. But, he, yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic so far for the Kings. Who, and uh, twi- they, Yeah, they've been fun. That 20 million number is like the perfect range for you to not have to give up too much to right. to, to get back something. Like uh, when you're thinking about like I, I know I'm keep throwing it out there and I don't expect this to happen, but the Ben Simmons is of the world. Like you can add Harrison Barnes and maybe another player, and then you're good. You know, you, it's not yeah. like you got to gut your whole team uh, to get someone back like that. But um, interesting player. He, he's one. He's one that I'm going to keep my eye on uh, throughout the season. Uh, and then shout out to the WNBA Finals. I, I like uh, I, I like the 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 way that the Chicago Sky were able to close it out, we didn't have a uh, you know episode last week to talk about it, but you know Candace Parker coming back home and winning an NBA or WNBA championship, awesome stuff. Um, you know that's you know storybook endings. I, I expect that uh, story to be on Disney Plus at some point. Yeah, that was an awesome uh, ending, and it sure looked like they had fun at the uh, the parade as well. That was good to see. Yeah, definitely good to see. And it was a shout out to the NBA TV crew yesterday. It was our first day back at work, so to speak, uh, doing uh, doing games in uh, Roe Parish. And Isaiah Thomas gave her uh, the uh, welcome back that she definitely deserved. So um, that that my notebook's empty now. Um, do you have anything else that that stood out to you so far in the first week? I've got like eight things, Colin, but I'll give another, another couple quick ones um, real quick. One, Davian Mitchell, watching him defend guys uh, mm. is an absolute delight, and I can't wait. I feel like I'm going to watch every time there's a good point guard playing against the Kings this season, I'm going to tune in just to watch how he defends them. Uh, he's been great. The Raptors can't score on the half court. Having Pascal nope. Siakam back will be nope. huge in that regard. Um, the Lakers have a ton to figure out, but it was fun to see them run those inverted pick and rolls with LeBron as a ball handler and Russell mm-hmm. Westbrook as the screener. Um, down the stretch of their last game hopefully a lot more of that to come um and, and you know the, the the alarm bell is is starting to ring a little bit for james harden like at what point do we get a little bit concerned Uh-oh. about the start that he's having um i mean Uh-oh. he's he's an all-timer he's a hall of famer one of the 75 greatest players of all time as we found out uh last week i think he'll round out into form he's coming off a hamstring injury but uh he he's off to a little bit of a concerning start this season yeah, they have the Miami Heat uh, in their next contest, and then the Pacers, and then they uh, it lightens up a little bit. I guarantee you, by October 31st, when they play the Pistons at home, uh, that might be the matchup that he feasts on, and, and we might have a, a 40 or 50 burger uh, to talk about next uh, episode next week with James Harden trying to get back into uh, into game shape. Um, that's all we have for you this week. If you missed any part of the live show, you can catch it on the podcast feed, NBA Sound System, wherever you get your podcasts. I will We'll be back next Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time. For Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gay. This has been NBA Sound System. Have a great week.